We know how easy it is to find bad news these days. It comes at a price, too. Studies show that bad news can amp up your stress hormones, increase your depression, and cause you to be less kind to the people around you. In some cases, it can even increase rates of crime and suicide in your community. At Survivor's Guide to Hell, we want to help you breathe easier. Each week, we select a different topic, then use that topic to help you laugh, help you find a bright side, or even change your perspective for the better. Today, our unpleasant topic is... Aging. If you dread every new crease in your skin and every new birthday that passes, we have some really comforting news for you. A few months ago, we told you the tragic story of Tithonus, the man that fell in love with a goddess. The legend goes that Eos, the titan goddess of dawn, wished to keep the mortal Tithonus as her lover throughout eternity. She went to Zeus and requested that he grant her new boyfriend immortality. Zeus acquiesced. However, because Eos did not also wish eternal youth for her lover, Tithonus was doomed to age forever until he was nothing but a decrepit patch of bones. He was laid on a bed, fated to babble nonsensically, long after Eos abandoned him. Gratefully, Tithonus was eventually turned into a cicada by the pitying gods. Evidently, even being an insect is better than eternally getting older. For all their shortcomings, I have to agree with the gods on this one. In fact, a lot of people would. It seems that aging is one of the most despised features of a human being's life. So much, in fact, that the anti-aging market is worth about 50.2 billion US dollars and growing. To help you grasp the enormity of that figure, think of this. The United Nations estimates it would take about 30 billion a year to end world hunger. That's 20 billion less. Sure, there are some elements of getting older that are indisputably unpleasant. However, there are some bright sides to aging that are not only worth noting, but worth looking forward to. In Act 1 of today's podcast, we'll discuss some superpowers that come with aging. Then we'll talk about blue zones, the areas of the world where people live longest, and what these people are doing to stay healthy and kickin'. Finally, we'll talk about one particular retiree who used tea, a sitting chair, and a little goodwill to save lives on a regular basis. Time to turn off that soap opera and pour an ice-cold glass of prune juice. Let's discover the joy of getting older. Act 1. Your grandparents' superpowers. If you think that getting older means you've reached your potential and it's all downhill from here, think again. Sure, aging has some real drawbacks, but what we often overlook when we're staring in the mirror, cursing our forming wrinkles, are the serious superpowers that come with aging. Today, I'm going to try to convince you that seniors are as close to superheroes as it gets. Granted, the powers I'm about to list don't apply to every granny and gramps out there, but for those who fit the bill, and statistically speaking, that's most seniors, the capabilities may surprise you. Power number one, the ability to predict an oncoming storm. 
When it comes to predicting weather, you probably use a smartphone app, which is backed with a host of devices designed to predict what weather you'll be experiencing in the next few days. Despite all these modern implements, you may still find yourself caught in a downpour a mile from your home with two toddlers squealing in your stroller while your weather app says that there's not a drop in the sky. But I'm not bitter. Not everyone needs a device to know when a storm's a brewing. Ever hear some crazy old codger claim that a storm was on its way because he could feel it in his bones? It turns out that's not some crazy old codger after all. That man is a living barometer who can literally detect spikes and drops in air pressure without a single piece of equipment. Unless you're a senior yourself, I bet you're knickerbockers that you can't do that. According to Dr. Sarah Miller and Dr. Joseph Horrigan, the idea that an elderly individual can feel the weather in their joints is not just a wife's tale. The key to this issue is barometric pressure, which drops immediately before storms appear, says Dr. Miller. Recent research has found that the changes in barometric pressure actually do exacerbate inflammation in arthritic joints. Dr. Horrigan explains, when a high or low pressure system comes in, people may report aches and pains, even when it's not terribly cold. What they're experiencing is the impact of changing barometric pressure on fluids in the body, namely joint fluid. So what if storm detection via arthritis isn't quite as sleek as laser beam eyes or bulletproof skin? The ability to sense shifts in the weather is significant. For centuries now, humankind has used machines as a measuring stick to compare its own power with. If you've ever seen Terminator, iRobot, or Robocop, you may catch my drift. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over a metal endoskeleton. Those who triumph over machines are celebrated, like railroad worker John Henry versus the steel driving machine. Those who fail, like chess champion Kasparov versus a supercomputer, are mourned by the rest of us who wonder when we'll be outmoded by something you can purchase at Best Buy. When it comes to rivaling modern machinery, however, it seems our seniors may just give our weather apps something to reckon with. Power number two, invulnerability. If you've ever played a video game where your avatar can become invulnerable, you know just how useful that power can be. Even when you're surrounded by enemy warlocks, giant princess-stealing turtle dragons, or a malicious street fighter, a few seconds of invulnerability can make you untouchable just long enough to conquer your enemy. If you were to walk into a bingo hall and take a look around, you probably wouldn't get the feeling that the seniors you saw were invulnerable. In fact, after seeing a few oxygen tanks, walking canes, and wheelchairs, you may feel quite the opposite. While it's true that we all face increasing frailty as we age, there are certain aspects of your friendly neighborhood senior that are far more resilient than the same aspects of their younger counterparts. In fact, in some cases, with some seniors, you may even be tempted to say they're invulnerable. First, folks advanced in age are less likely to visit the more extreme end of the depression spectrum. In fact, the CDC reports that folks 65 and over are least likely to experience severe depression and are tied for the lowest percentage of moderate depression. The story is similar for anxiety. The National Institute of Mental Health reports that individuals older than 60 are the least likely to be affected by anxiety. 
Ask anyone who's lost sleep over worry or sadness, and you'll probably hear that the ability to dodge high levels of depression and anxiety is a much better superpower than lifting trains or jumping over skyscrapers. If that weren't enough, older folks are the least likely to fear death and are more likely to report feeling calm, optimistic, happy, and full of life than those in their 20s, 30s, or 40s. Can I just say that one more time? Older people are more likely to report feeling happy and full of life than someone in their 20s or 30s or 40s. It's a serious argument against old age being such a tragedy and a serious boost to a senior's powers of invulnerability. Powers number three and number four, the ability to slow down time and super compassion for mankind. If you had the power to slow down time, even if you could only add one more hour to your 24 hour day, it would be pretty epic. That's one more hour of productivity that others don't get or it's another hour of recreation and relaxation that others don't get. Ask any stay-at-home parent, business-minded busybody, or strung-out student if they'd like to be given an extra hour in the day, and you'll probably hear a resounding yes. Well, seniors, they get to do that, in a way. Out of any age group, older folks tend to need the least amount of sleep. When someone is first born, they'll spend somewhere between 14 and 17 hours sleeping every day, much to the benefit of both mother and child, who need some time to recover from the trauma of childbirth. That sleep requirement drops as we age. At approximately 65 years of age, you'll only require between 7 and 8 hours, about one hour less than the average needs of a younger adult. Of course, everyone's different. A 27-year-old may need only seven hours of sleep while their grandma still enjoys eight, but in general, you can expect to need less sleep the older you get. This gives our seniors more time in the day to cross off those bucket list items or simply relax in front of a favorite book. Who could turn their nose up at that? If that hour wasn't enough, another group of studies suggests that seniors have even more extra time to look forward to, even if their day is still packed with work, volunteering, or other obligations. One study discovered that nearly half of research participants spent one to 30 minutes every week looking for lost items. A half hour every week really adds up, especially when you feel like you've got no time for mistakes. However, older folks may not struggle with this issue like the rest of us. That's because, contrary to popular belief, parts of our memory actually improve with age, including our memory of where we placed certain items, like a wallet or a ring of keys. While you are still searching for that damn cell phone of yours, older folks may be enjoying the extra time they don't have to spend looking for things. With that extra time comes extra potential for an older person to do good. Our senior friends and family have a greater propensity for self-awareness, good decision-making, emotional maturity, empathy, kindness, and generosity. Seeing as they are the most financially stable of the age groups, they are armed with the monetary power to put that empathy, kindness, and generosity effectively into other people's lives. Superman wouldn't be Superman if he didn't have a profound sense of compassion for the people around him. Turns out, the older generation is much the same way. So let's go over this one more time. Older people have the ability to extend time, so to speak. They possess a form of invulnerability to some of mankind's greatest blights. 
They have the compassion of Superman, the intuition to make better decisions than the rest of us, and to boot, they can sometimes predict the weather. If that's not like a superhero, I don't know what is. Act 2. Where people live the longest and how they do it. In the Mediterranean Sea, not far from Italy, there is an island called Sardinia. And in Sardinia, there are 10 times more centenarians than there are in the United States. Here, you can find a 102-year-old riding his bike to work, chopping wood, and beating a 60-year-younger researcher at an arm wrestling match. Now let's look at a different part of the ocean, in the Pacific to be specific. A finger of islands called Okinawa stands alone in the water. There, in the northern part of the main island, dwells the people who have the longest disability-free life expectancy in the world. Uh, this is a place where the oldest living female population is found. It's a place where people have the longest disability-free life expectancy in the world. They have what we want. They live a long time and tend to die in their sleep very quickly. And often I can tell you after sex. That was Dan Butner, the same researcher that had an arm wrestle with the 102-year-old Sardinian. Now, let's get back to a place that's probably a bit more familiar to you. California. Here, in a place called Loma Linda, live the longest living folks in the United States. Butner tells the story of a Loma Linda citizen named Ellsworth. Ellsworth Wareham is 97 years old. He's a multimillionaire. Yet when a contractor wanted $6,000 to build a privacy fence, he said, for that kind of money, I'll do it myself. So for the next three days, he was out shoveling cement and hauling poles around. And predictably, perhaps, on the fourth day, he ended up in the operating room. But not as the guy on the table, the guy uh, doing open heart surgery. At 97, he still does 20 open-heart surgeries every month. The areas of the world that host the healthiest and oldest populations have been named Blue Zones. These places show us that what we want is possible. Long, meaningful lives that are largely free of disease. Blue Zones are important to those of us that dread the idea of getting old. They show us that Though the wrinkles may be a certainty, decrepitude is not. It may be one of the silverest silver linings of aging. It doesn't have to be nearly as feeble, dependent, and illness-ridden as it's often made out to be. Of course, the big question is, how did these Blue Zone people manage to live so long and so healthy? Dan Butner and his research team made it their job to find out. Butner does caution that genetics play a big role in lifespan, so in some ways you're stuck with what you've already got. But in many, many other ways, you have a say over your quality of life and how long that life lasts. After analyzing the patterns between blue zones, good old Butner came up with four key tips. Natural movement, right outlook, wise eating, and quality connections. For natural movement, Butner points out that none of these people in these blue zones are exercising in the traditional sense. They're not hitting the gym or doing curls in their basement. Instead, they structure their lives to include natural physical activity. They're doing lots of walking when they need to get somewhere. Walking, by the way, can stave off cognitive decline. When they mix batter, they use good old-fashioned spoon and elbow grease. They also tend to be gardeners. 
In general, they don't take advantage of all the modern marvels that tend to make life so sedentary. Exercise is naturally built into the structure of their lives. In terms of outlook, Butner points out that each culture takes time to downshift. They allow themselves healthy blocks of time to slow down, reflect, and reduce their stress hormones. These slow down times are usually imbued with some kind of greater purpose. Prayer, for example, is common in blue zones. In Okinawa, ancestral veneration gives participants time to breathe deeply and contemplate big picture meaning. The Okinawans also use the word ikigai, which essentially translates to reason for being. They believe that they have a special purpose and special joy that gives them the spark to get out of bed in the morning. When Butner says outlook, that's what he means in a nutshell. Time to relax and a sense of greater purpose. Then of course, there's the way blue zone people eat. Butner points out that each blue zone culture has a plant slant. In other words, they may not be complete vegans, but their diet emphasizes plants in a greater magnitude. They also don't overindulge. Butner pointed out a common saying, and pardon my pronunciation. It goes, are achi bunmi, or eat until your belly is 80% full. And some good news for our liquor connoisseurs, Blue Zone residents typically have about one alcoholic drink a day. This conservative amount offers some heart benefits and assists in the winding down and socializing that is so key to a healthy lifestyle. Finally, the last item on the list of what makes Blue Zones, Blue Zones. Quality social connections. Blue Zones typically have cultures designed to help people belong. For example, the Loma Linda Blue Zone is primarily Seventh-day Adventist, and they often have social gatherings with their congregation. In Okinawa, women are grouped together at a young age for the primary purpose of companionship. All through their life, they have the sublime pleasure of the same close friends to support them and celebrate them. Of course, family is extremely important in Blue Zones. Young children often have the pleasure of spending significant amounts of time with their grandparents and even great-grandparents, learning about the value of family relations. If you are looking to age gracefully, age long, and to live to develop some of those superpowers we talked about, then remember the Blue Zones. Blue Zone wisdom may just be your ticket to one of the most coveted of all possessions, a long and healthy life. Act 3, Donald Taylor Ritchie, the man who saved hundreds by taking a seat and pouring some tea. Okay, if you're a little tired with all the yammering about science and statistics, don't worry, I'm almost done, I promise. I've got an incredible story in the tubes for you, but first, there's something you need to know. Positive psychologist Neil Pasricha, who, by the way, is a big fan of the Blue Zone studies, made an alarming announcement. The two most deadly years of a human lifespan are the year one is born and the year one retires. The year you are born part makes sense. There's a host of ailments that are specific to, or can easily take, our littlest ones. But the year we retire? Isn't that the holy grail of lifetime achievements? The year we're all salivating over each time we have a bad day at work? How could it be one of the deadliest years? Are golfing and bingo more dangerous than they appear? According to Patricia, 
Two of the key reasons retirement is so dangerous is that you're likely to lose a huge part of your social life, and you're also likely to lose a huge chunk of your purpose. Remember Ikigai from the Blue Zones research? The reason for getting out of bed? That's what Patricia is talking about when he mentions purpose. Turns out, when people quit working for good, they tend to lose a significant portion of meaning in their lives. However, there is a way to retire without trashing your social life and your reasons for existing. That is where our hero, Donald T. Ritchie, comes in. Donald was a tall man, observant, compassionate. After his time as a seaman for the Royal Australian Navy, Donald became a life insurance salesman. But he didn't just sell life insurance. Don was life insurance. His home, a contemporary-style building nestled behind a low stone wall, faced an incredible view. Don and his wife, Moya, could look out a front-facing window and see a scene that many vacationers-to-be only dream of. Gorgeous, jutting, multicolored cliffs studded with plants and undergirded with a luxurious blue ocean that stretched for miles. This Australian sprawl of cliffs and sea is called The Gap. And Don's home was literally across the street from one of the cliff's edges. From their window, Don and Moya could watch tourists stop on a nearby walking trail that traced the gap's edge and lean on the safety fence to enjoy the view. But the gap had a darker side to its existence. It wasn't just a tourist spot for people who planned on returning home one day. It was a magnet for suicides. It was reported that the gap saw about 50 suicides a year. Nearly one every week. Yeah, we'd been here only a short time before I realised that uh, a lot of people were coming over here and looking at the view and uh, next thing I'd find they'd disappeared. Don soon began to recognise what it meant when someone got a little too close to the cliff's edge. Perhaps he was beginning to detect the body language of the lost, too. These weren't adrenaline junkies that wanted to get a few feet closer to the drop. They wanted to drop. You couldn't just, you couldn't just sit here and watch them. I mean, or I couldn't. He formed a simple plan. Don and his wife would spend a little more time looking out their windows. When they saw someone with the posture of the doomed, Don would calmly leave the house walk about 150 feet over his yard, the street, and the walking path, then ask the person on the cliff's edge one question. Is there something I can do to help you? He'd offer a cup of tea, or a beer if preferred, and some time to chat. Miraculously, these people staring down their own deaths would accept the invitation. They'd follow him on the brief walk back to his home, and enjoy anything from that steaming cup of tea to one of Moya's home-cooked breakfasts. As they indulged, Don settled down and offered a listening ear. This was what Don called offering them an alternative. He refrained from counseling them or preaching his opinions on life. Really, he was just there to listen. As Don grew older, he became more skillful at talking people down. While many of these forlorn strangers would step to safety at Don's first invitation, others required more coaxing. Don would find himself having the chat right there, on the cliff's edge, striving to win the person's trust and return them to safer venues. But for all his gentle nature, Don didn't always take the softest approach. 
Sometimes when someone seemed ready to jump, he would literally grab them and restrain them from their suicidal plans. One woman nearly took him over the edge right alongside her before the authorities arrived to help. Not every attempt ended in a cozy cup of tea or a restraining embrace. Don explains, I was talking to a man for about half an hour, thinking I was making headway. I said, why don't you come over for a cup of tea or a beer if you'd like one? He said no, and stepped straight off the side. His hat blew up and I caught it in my hand. This was the way of it sometimes. Those who were ready to go seemed truly ready to go. Some of them left little reminders that they were once here, that they had once lived, before making their final descent. Even after they had disappeared from sight and their hearts had finished their final beats, there was still one thing Don could do. Understanding the soul-numbing work it must be to collect a freshly broken body from the rocks or the water below, Don would invite the rescue team inside for a comforting drink. Don had, indeed, picked an unusual way to pass the time before and after work. When the time came to retire from life insurance, he maintained his post at his window, continually watching and continually inviting desperate people into his home. He stopped saying that he sold life insurance, and he started saying that he was selling life. When Don retired, he didn't lose his ikigai, nor did he lose his social life. Granted, the social environment he had picked, late night and early morning chats with desperate strangers, was a far cry from an employee break room at work. But the chats he had were far more meaningful than cubicle gossip or commentary on the last golf game. Don and his wife were learning about the deepest parts of a human's ability to feel. They were helping to shine a light on a person's darkest corners, and they were watching what the hinge moment looked like between wanting to die and accepting the will to live. Don continued crossing the street and talking people down until he became too frail to continue. When all was said and done, he was officially recognized for saving 160 people over his 45-year career as a life salesman, though his family estimates the number is closer to 400. When Don was 80, he was awarded the Medal of the Order of Australia, the country's highest recognition for outstanding service. It was just one among many awards, including the unofficial title, The Angel of the Gap. Even the lives he didn't save are a credit to Don's efforts. One mother told Don of the comfort she took in knowing that he may have been there, offering a kind word and a welcoming smile to walk her beloved daughter through her last moments on earth. It's likely that many others take comfort in knowing that during their loved one's loneliest moments, they may not have been truly alone before throwing themselves to the ocean. Even the life insurance toting, life-selling angel of the gap couldn't stick around forever. Donald Taylor Ritchie died in 2012 at the age of 86. A portion of the walkway surrounding one of the Gap's cliffs was named Don Ritchie Grove in his honor, marked with a cement barrier low enough to rest on and inscribed with these words. Always remember the power of the simple smile, a helping hand, a listening ear, and a kind word. Don Ritchie. Who knows, maybe Don still is the angel of the Gap, waiting around the cliff to offer a feeling of companionship and love 
to the forlorn people who still visit there. Regardless, Dawn is certainly an example of the noble powers a person can carry long after the youth in their skin has faded and that retirement day has come and gone. Here's something Dawn may have wanted you to know. If you've ever thought about suicide, even if you weren't considering the option for yourself, you've probably realized that death isn't the real goal. People are simply looking for a way to stop the pain. Research shows that talking to someone at risk reduces the odds of them taking their own life. It's what Donald Ritchie did, even before there were help hotlines and trained professionals biting at the bit to help those in need. If you would like to talk to someone about suicidal thoughts, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Or simply Google the words suicide hotline, where you'll be given the option to call or message with someone who wants to listen. And believe me, there are people who do want to listen. That is the end of today's stories, but I do want to make a quick shout out. While I wrote this episode, I thought of every single one of my amazing grandparents. I'd like to dedicate this episode to all of you and give a special thanks to Papa Bart, who helped foster this production from the very first episode. Thanks, Grandpa. You definitely have those superpowers. Now, we invite you to join us for our weekly Silver Liners Challenge, which is designed to be an easy, actionable step you can take to help boost your week and help you survive hell. Here it is, the Silver Liners Challenge. Do something this week that your older self will thank you for. Feel free to share your experiences in the comments of our website, survivorsguidetohell.com, or on our Facebook page. If you'd like to see the videos and pictures that often accompany our episodes, like an interview with Donald Ritchie, check out our website again at survivorsguidetohell.com, where you'll also find much more information, including our storytelling code of ethics. We're always looking for cool news stories. If you have something to share, please visit our site and drop us a line. And remember, if you liked this episode, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, and many other streaming platforms. When you subscribe, you no longer have to go searching for episodes. They'll be delivered right to the place you listen to your podcasts. Simply open the app or website you use to listen to your podcasts, find Survivor's Guide to Hell, and click the subscribe button. You'll also be helping to support us as we spread our good vibes. If you like Survivor's Guide to Hell and would like to contribute to our good vibes, then you're already on the right track. Just listening is the best thing you can do. We've also seen amazing results when our listeners share our episodes with others. If this episode made you think of someone, send it their way. They may be grateful for it, and we will be too. Last but not least, our cheesy joke of the week. A retired man now volunteers to entertain patients in assisted living homes and hospitals. He visited one hospital in Brooklyn and brought along his portable keyboard. After telling jokes and singing songs at patients' bedsides, he said farewell and, I hope you get better. One elderly gentleman replied, I hope you get better too. I like that one because it kind of sounds like it actually happened. All right, everybody. Thank you and have an excellent week. <laughs>